Now I want to draw your attention this morning to those words that we looked at the last time that I was here in the book of Lamentations chapter 3 and verses 21 through to verse 26. Where Jeremiah says this, This I recall to my mind, therefore I have hope. Through the Lord's mercies we are not consumed, because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul, therefore I hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. It is good that one should hope and wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. Several dozen believers in North Korea were recently discovered by the authorities and immediately executed. So said a report in Open Doors. In Myanmar, a Christian village where 320 out of 350 homes were burned down. What a terrible disaster for God's people. There was a good evangelical church in Afghanistan and believers are now in hiding because of the threat to their lives. How does such a statement fit in with those verses that we read together this morning? In the Ukraine, a Bible was found by the body of a young soldier who was dead. And we think of Bible times as well, about Stephen, about Herod having James, the brother of John, executed with a sword. How does it all fit in? How does it all fit in with those verses that we have just read about the faithfulness of God? And if you and I have been in Jerusalem and we had heard Jeremiah applying the situation to Jerusalem, these words would have been amazing. They're right in the middle of the most dark and the most bleak and the most terrible circumstances. There were these words. Light in the midst of the most terrible darkness. In the beginning of this chapter in Lamentations, I am the man who has seen affliction by the rod of his wrath. He has led me and made me walk in darkness and not in light. Surely he has turned his hand against me time and time again throughout the day. Verse 4, he has aged my flesh and my skin and broken my bones. He has besieged me and surrounded me with bitterness and woe. He has set me in dark places like the dead of long ago. Nothing could have been darker. Nothing could have been bleaker than the situation that Jeremiah found himself in. But then he has a change of mind in verse 21. This I recall to my mind, therefore I have hope. He digs deep into his memory. He remembers the good old days. He remembers great and wonderful truths. 
He changes the scene in his mind and no longer looks at the calamities of Jerusalem, but he looks at the character and the purposes of the Most High God and he sees brightness in the midst of the most terrible darkness. For in the blackest clouds there is a rainbow. And here are the darkest days. But to Jeremiah for a moment, there is great brightness above. Man may be terribly cruel and miserable, but God is still gracious. Through the Lord's mercies, we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. And those mercies include the amazing love of God. These are mercies. These are great mercies. These are wonderful mercies. Even in the darkest hour. How thankful we are that we can look up in even the darkest situations and we can remember the mercies of God. And we are reminded, are we not, of Isaiah chapter 43. And what a great comfort that is as well. But now thus says the Lord who created you, O Jacob, and he who formed you, O Israel, fear not. He knows us in all our situations, in all our difficulties, that one of the greatest problems is fear. And fear, as we have said before, is ultimately rooted in me, myself and I. But it can also be a wonderful means of avoiding danger. Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by your name, you are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you, and through the rivers they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned. It is in the darkest hour that God will show his precious, and God will show his wonderful presence. And God will fulfill his amazing promises that ultimately he will not leave or forsake his own people. Now if you meet people who have gone through so much, who have known what it is to have their backs against the wall, what do you feel? Well, we feel that no, we're not worthy to be in their presence. For they have known what it is in the midst of terrible darkness to know the tremendous keeping grace of the Lord our God. And for you and I, when push comes to shove, this is the bottom line. Through the Lord's mercies, we are not consumed. That could be said, could it not? Of believers in North Korea, many of whom are descendants of the great revival that took place there in 1907. It was a mighty revival in Pyongyang. And down through the generations, 
Many, many more have become believers. The church of Jesus Christ has wonderfully multiplied. Yes, they are persecuted and they are hated by men. But they are not forsaken by God. They have not ultimately been extinguished. They are not ultimately consumed. A bit like the burning bush in Genesis 3. It was burning, but not consumed. And so it is that these believers, this great nucleus of believers in New North Korea, are like that burning bush. They know what it was to know the fire of persecution, but they've not been totally extinguished. What a wonderful thing it is to know that God has dealt with you and I because of his great mercy. And because of his great mercies, we are not consumed. We are not consumed by the troubles. We are not consumed by the difficulties. Because his compassions, his compassions, they do not fail. Isn't that a wonderful thing? Well, what is the compassions that we have here? It is his sympathy. It is his kindness to those who are in trouble it is his pity toward his people because he has a great fondness and because he has an amazing love for them you may know what it is to go through times of great difficulty this morning you may not even know what God is doing in your life you may even have to face death itself that last great enemy But let me tell you this. His compassions will not fail. In the midst of all your trial, even when you don't ultimately feel the presence of God because of terrible pain in your life, his compassions are always there. His eye is ever upon you. He can't take his eyes off you. It's a bit like a parent and a needy child. And the heart of love and tenderness and compassion goes out to that child. And the heart of God goes out to his believing people. And things have been ordered in God's providence in order that you and I might know what it is, as we're going to see in a moment, to rest in the promises of God and to know that he is with us even in our darkest hour. And God cannot be more compassionate than he is now because he is the unchanging God. And the compassion of God in the day of Jeremiah is the same as the compassion of God now. We are to be a people who turn our attention away from our problems like Jeremiah and turn to the Lord our God. And remember that we have a God of great compassion that does not fail. And because of that we can come to him at any time, in any place, under any circumstance. And we can be completely honest with him as a psalmist was honest with God. And we can lay aside at times our jargon. And pour in our hearts like water in the presence of the Lord. And not be afraid even of exaggeration and not getting it all right. And know that we have one whose compassions do not fail. 
we are reminded that the greatest compassion that you are shown to the believer is to know that our sins are forgiven. He sealed us in our sin and he chose us in Christ and he called us into his kingdom. He showed us something of the disease of sin and changed our wills and enabled us to embrace the glorious person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And how thankful we are that we have seen more than Jeremiah. He saw things at a distance. He saw the Lord, our righteousness, at a distance. We have seen the whole picture and we have the whole story. And we have the Lord Jesus Christ who is Emmanuel, God with us. Have you known this compassion and this amazing and wonderful salvation? Have you known it? Have you known it in your own heart? Have you known what it is to have your life changed and to know the wonderful grace of a Saviour? Have you known what it is to be like Lydia, the Lord opening your heart? Have you known what it is to perhaps be, to be like the Philippian jailer and cry out, what must I do to be saved? The most important question you can ever ask. Somebody was telling me only recently of a young girl, and she's, she's come through her exams. She's got the best marks ever. And I thought in my heart, her greatest need is to know the Lord Jesus. It's not the greatest education. The most important thing is to know Christ. But oh, believer, great is thy faithfulness. He will hold you fast. He will. Because he set his love on you even before the world was. When I fear my faith will fail, have you not known that? You feel at times your faith will fail. Christ will hold me fast. When the tempter would prevail, you know what it is to be tempted? He will hold me fast. I could never keep my hold through life's fearful path. For my love is often cold. How honest it is. He must hold me fast. He will hold me fast. He will hold me fast. For my Saviour loves me so he will hold me fast. And he is a faithful God. Not just faithful, but great is thy faithfulness. And isn't it wonderful to know that? We often say that a dog is a man's best friend, don't we? A faithful friend. Instead of cats, all they'll go where they're fed. Having had cats, I know that to be true. But a dog is a faithful friend. Always there for its master. And we have a faithful God who is ever there for his believing people. Whatever our circumstances, the faithfulness of God is constant.
He will perform his promises. There will be times when our prom- those promises will be tried. And the circumstances of life that he orders for you and for me will test those promises. And he will keep his engagements. But there are times when his, his faithfulness is a strange faithfulness. In Psalm 119 and verse 75 we read these words. I know, O Lord, that your judgments are right and in faithfulness, listen to this, you have afflicted me. Those are difficult words to swallow, aren't they? But in faithfulness, he will do what is best for us. In order that you and I might know what it is to be conformed to the image of his Son. And the afflictions that we endure in life are the outworking of his faithfulness. And we must lay hold upon that when you and I are called upon to go through great trial and when you and I are called upon to go through great difficulty and great problems and great perplexity. For the word of the Lord is right and all his work is done in truth. We must rest in his word. And we must recognise that he will always do for us ultimately what is for our best in order to draw us closer to him. As a lady in our fellowship who's gone through the most terrible and difficult trial, I would not change places with her and neither would you if you knew what the trials were. If you ask her, how are you? This is a catchphrase. It is well with my soul. What she is really saying is this. God is faithful. And not only is God faithful, the Lord is my portion. Now the Levites under the old covenant had no allocation of land. Because God was to be their portion. God was to be their inheritance. And what Jeremiah is seeking to do is seeking to increase their faith, their trust in the faithfulness of God. God is the portion. God is the all in all of his people. And as you and I live in an increasingly materialistic society, and as you and I live in an uncertain society, it's almost an awful thing to turn the news on these days. Well, it's never good news, it's always bleak news. We must always remember that in the midst of it all, God is our portion. God is our all in all. And we can rest our situation in his hands. Now I have a brother-in-law who's suffering from severe dementia. 
And last week they called they had a family conference and it's quite clear that he's coming to the end of his life. He's been a very faithful servant of God down through the years. He'd go up and talk to anybody like his sister. And he had a remarkable prayer life. If he was in a prayer meeting, you'd know about it. Well, he'd have a unique gift of prayer. And now his mind won't tell his legs what to do when they need to be walking. It's a very sad situation. But if you go and visit him, and you talk about the things of God, and you open up the word of God to him, it comes to life. It's there, you see. Because all his life, God has been his portion. And he's known what it is to go through difficult times. And at the bottom of everything, God is the portion of his people, isn't he? And it's wonderful to know that at the end of the day, this is it. There's a great man up in Suffolk called John Smith. That's an easy name to remember, isn't it? He was a preacher and he used to go around <coughs> different chapels and he didn't drive so he had to come by public transport. I don't know how we do it coming here from South End. He also had a great hobby. He used to know when to go to supermarkets to get the best bargains at the end of the day. And now he's coming to the end of his life. And two friends went to see him. I wouldn't have missed this for anything, he said. The Lord has been so good to me. Now that isn't always the case. But there are times when God's people do know the special, wonderful, amazing sense of the presence of God in the midst of affliction. There are other times when they have to rest on the bare promises of God. But we must remember that we are co-heirs with Jesus Christ. And we have a glorious inheritance. But not only do we have a glorious inheritance, we are Christ's inheritance too. And he is ours. And we are his. And because God is our portion, his power is ours to give us support. His wisdom is shown in his word and we rest upon his word. His love is there remarkably to come and to comfort us. And his mercy is there when we fall and falter as we all do. His covenant is there to encourage us because it can never be broken. And one day his heaven will receive us. And one day we shall be taken home out of our sick bodies and of our frail bodies. And we shall know what it is to be like him. And we shall know what it is to enjoy his perfect unbroken love throughout the endless ages of eternity. As Jonathan Edwards said, heaven is a world of love. When we sit down and have a meal today, 
Somebody have present us with the meal. That's your portion. I hope that's going to happen today. <laughs> we haven't got any sandwiches with us. But God is our portion. At the end of the day, with all that we have, it's all going to pass away, isn't it? But God is our portion. And we have the unsearchable riches of Christ. And we are to live upon him. And we are to pray for grace for every trial. And we are to rejoice in him. And we are to look to him for all we need. We see him in Christ. And oh, how devoted we must be to him. Cold is my warmest thought. But when I see thee as thou art, I'll praise thee as I ought. And no one can take it away. Not even the authorities in North Korea can take it away. Nothing can separate us from it. You know, I was preaching last week in a little fellowship up near Ipswich. And a man came up to me at the end. He's probably in his 80s. He lost his dear wife. And he'd been involved in uh, caring for people who'd left prison. And he said this to me. He said, I've had to learn to give everything away. And it didn't hurt. And I wondered if I could say that. I wondered if I could say that. Because Christ is all in all. Now he doesn't call us to give everything away, of course not. But some he does. I came across a letter from a dear man who was a missionary from our fellowship in South End. And he went to Zambia. And he lived his life in Zambia. He knew what it was to built his own house. He was a lovely man. He taught me many things about walking with God. He had a great sense of humour. His name was Ernie Frost. I came across a letter he wrote to me in 1978. And he came back to South End for a while and he was doing work for what was known as the Shazella Bible Institute in Zambia. And I can remember going down to his row with him. And all he had was two little suitcases. He owned nothing else. But I saw him go. And I saw a man who knew what it was to have God as his portion. And yet somebody can have a great deal and be blessed materially with great things. But ultimately to know that God is their portion. I've known very wealthy people and in the midst of it all, they've known what it is to ultimately have God as their portion. In Christ alone, my hope is found. He is my light, my strength, my song. This cornerstone, this solid ground, firm through the fiercest drought and storm. What heights of love, what depths of peace, when fears are stilled, when striving cease, my comforter, my all in all, 
Here in the love of Christ, I stand. Here's my portion. Here's my portion. And I just have to say this too, that in verse 2, in Christ alone who took on flesh, fullness of God in helpless babe, this gift of love and righteousness, scorned by the ones he came to save, till on that cross as Jesus died, the wrath of God was satisfied. Do you know they've tried to replace that, that phrase? And say the love of God was satisfied. They want to take away the wrath of God from that hymn. That's all. For every sin on him was laid. Here in the death of Christ I live. And we are to daily enjoy God as our portion. To worship him. To meditate upon him. And to know that one day we will fully enjoy that portion in heaven's glory. There is no drought with God. And we long that he might come. And what is the result of all this? I will hope in him. He is our hope in this dark day. This day where there is so many dark clouds around us as a nation. He is our ultimate hope. People talk about inflation. But you know, northern Cyprus, where our friend James Swanson ministers, it's 110%, you know. When difficulties come, we can hope for him. And we can know what it is to wait on the Lord. You ever know what it is to wait at a bus stop? Sometimes you have to wait a long time, don't you? Wait in a traffic jam. Coming back from my son's last last Wednesday week, we thought we'd get back quite quickly. And it took us eight hours to do a two and a half hour journey. The M25 really is the biggest car park in the country. But we're to wait. Wait for him. And wait in his time for his glory. Knowing that ultimately we have God as our portion. And my friend, if you have not God as your portion, then you are in great need. And you're in need of his grace. You're in need of his undeserved kindness. You're in need of his so great salvation. You're in need of being found. You may be a young person here and you're in need of the greatest gift that could ever be given, the gift of the Son of God who is available to all who will truly come. The invitation is to all. And what a wonderful invitation it is. And will you not come this morning and know the greatest reason to live to live for the glory of another, even the Lord Jesus, and trust in him, and rest in him. Through the Lord's mercies we are not consumed, because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. It's almost as if he's bursting with this wonderful truth. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore I hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him. Wait his time. Wait his time. 
to the soul who seeks him. Seek him. It is good that one should hope away quietly for the salvation of the Lord. To wait quietly, patiently, and rest in him, knowing that ultimately he does all things well. Let us pray. Our God in heaven, we pray that you and you alone will ultimately be our portion. Deliver us, we pray, from materialism. With everything that we owe, may we say this too shall pass away. We pray that you may be our all in all. Oh God in heaven, we thank you for your Son. We are utterly amazed that he should love us and give himself for us. Melts our hearts, Lord. How wonderful it is. He's come and died. He's bore our sin away, never to be remembered again. And Lord, we would have to say, Great is your faithfulness, O God our Father. And we know that your faithfulness will take us home. Your faithfulness, faithful to every one of your promises. We thank you, Lord, that you're full of tender mercy and grace toward your believing people. Accept our thanks in.